60 years ago, everybody in this hotel disappeared. Every last person. A painter called Spike, who lived here, closeted in his room, had found a key. Tell me, with all those accidents, you think you'll um, give it up now? I couldn't do that if I wanted to. <laughs> Well, I won't give in. Well, this is from Alex. Uh, should I just put his user? read it. Yeah, okay. So this is from a guy named Alex on Instagram. Hi, Alex. I don't know why everyone thinks this movie is so funny. Nicolas Cage is trying his best to play the, his character. He is des- a desperate man trying to find a little girl, his daughter, and everyone is being so sarcastic to him and mean. Just think about that. If I was a person trying to find my son or daughter, I would be doing the same thing. I would be in an angry mood with an attitude. The only thing I know was meant to be funny in this movie is the part where he didn't speak a word and punched Sister Beach in the face. I know for a fact that was meant to be comedic relief. Hell, when I first saw the movie, I didn't think it was funny at all. I felt his pain. Even my parents didn't think it was funny except for the moment where he punches Sister Beach. Uh, so what if the bear suit punch or the truck on the boat moment became funny? Think about Nicolas Cage's performance and how would you act <clears throat> if you were trying to find your daughter, your, your responsibility, uh, the girl you promised God you would look after, on an island you think is playing games with you, making you angry. You know, I would probably be doing the same thing Nicolas Cage was trying to do. So what do you think? Isn't that true? I would say those points are good points. Yeah. I think all the time, you know, we're just acting like Nicolas Cage would. <laughs> I often think to myself, what would Nicolas Cage do in this moment? Freak out and scream, the bees! You bitches! <laughs> My legs! <laughs> How to get burned! How to, How get-, to get burned! How to get burned! <laughs> He's, so- he, is always, he always gives 100%. I love Nicholas Cage. Yeah. Minimum. Right. Anytime I'm making fun of this movie, I'm, I honestly really like Nicholas Cage. I think he's yeah. great in a lot of movies. He's Yeah. He chews the scenery. 
we named this after him. <laughs> That's not fair to say because he he does sometimes, and other times he does not. Uh, there are plenty of movies where he has done a great. Uh, well, there are plenty of movies where he's done good performance or uh, in some instances a great performance where he's actually won an Academy Award for one of them. So having said that, um, I don't feel like we owe this Instagram user an apology. Two reasons. One is... He had nothing to do with the making of the movie. Well, he's not attacking us, correct? Well, yeah, I guess he's not attacking us. He's not attacking us. He's just he's wondering why people laugh at this movie. And, and being mean. I, being mean. Are we being mean is the, is the question I want to answer. Can you be we, mean we to we a movie? It, found scenes funny. They were funny. We're being honest on this. Yeah. yeah. I've watched this movie numerous times. I've probably mm. watched this version more than the other one, sad to say. This right. version's terrible. Okay. So I guess the question really isn't, um, do we owe this uh, Instagram user an apology for being mean? We yeah, Clearly, no, we don't. Because I don't think we've been mean. I don't think he listened to our episode. I think he just saw my description of the show. And in it, it was like... You know, it's. I think I may have said it wasn't a good movie in some way. This is a bad movie, is exactly <laughs> what you said. And anyone who likes it, especially ones named Alex. <laughs> <clears throat> Jolene, what do you think? I mean, he's, uh, he's saying why he likes the movie. He's defending it. He's not attacking us. He's not saying, oh, you shouldn't think these things. He's saying what he thinks, right. which is perfectly fair, you know. It is perfectly we fair. We all enjoy that actor and it's just that some uh you know sometimes in a movie something's done really seriously but it, it just comes off as over the top and strikes you as ridiculous and yeah uh you know called called lugubrious it's like uh <laughs> one of the batman movies where uh, you got uh i think it's like uh, when the the police and batman are up on the roof Yes. And everything, everyone's being really serious. You've got these two guys dressed in regular clothes, and then off to the side, there's Christian Bale doing his Batman voice. And I just, uh, I I just had to, I, I had to restrain myself from oh, bursting I'm out s- laughing. And I that. started laughing. That was that, mo- that moment of, of uh, the Dark Knight struck me as if the San Diego chicken had just wandered in on the scene at a horrible crime where numerous people had been shot and just started talking to the cops. Yeah. And from then on, the whole movie was blown. <laughs> well, I enjoy those movies, but, you know, sometimes in a, in a movie that takes itself seriously, you just get these... Yeah, these I, that moments. was my problem. With and, the... and, and this Wicker Man remake, I felt I had a lot of them. Mm, mm-hmm. Definitely, yes. It took itself a little too seriously. Yeah. I would... Uh... I'll probably will uh, respond to this um, Instagram user and ask him, Hey, have you seen the original? Have you listened to our show? Um, you're welcome to, or don't. Uh, it's no difference. Don't. Watch. <laughs> no difference to me. But really, all I could say is don't. I've enjoyed a lot of Nicolas Cage's movies. Yeah. I watched another one this week. Which one? What you watch? Uh, Snake Eyes. Yeah. How is it? Snake Eyes. Is that a do that now? That's uh, Brian De Palma. Yeah. So yeah, two guys who do over the top. Oh man, yeah, I've really seen entertainingly. That right. Uh, yeah. Was, was, have you seen it? I'm pretty sure I watched Snake Eyes at some point. Yes, this it's is the one a... where he's he's like a this dirty cop who's uh, and he's working at some 
like a there's this big boxing match and yes. Atlantic City and and uh, I was going to say assassination and it was a hockey game. But yeah, there's no. lots of twists after that. Yes, yes, I watched that one. Yeah, it's been a long time. I think I watched. God, when did that come out? That's got to be almost twenty years ago. Fifteen years ago, maybe. I'm write that one down. Don't think they even write that down. Ah, uh, you know. Anyway, I should probably do an intro and then like put that back before the Nicolas Cage part. You just put the intro in now. Should we do that? Go ahead. Hey, listeners! In case you hadn't noticed, you're listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie <laughs> Podcast. Um, in as... fact, stop. Just put the intro at the end. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's right, it's the outro. It's to hell with everything week. There are no consequences for anything, clearly. So fuck <laughs> it, you know? Let's all do whatever we want. <laughs> consequences be damned. Uh, so yeah, we're a horror movie podcast. Uh, we will spoil the Nicolas featured... Cage gets burned up at the end. <laughs> that's true, isn't it? Uh-huh. Shit. Uh, that's not the featured attraction. So... We will spoil the featured attraction. We will probably say more than we should about a couple other movies. Other than that, uh, there's three of us. You may have noticed that, too. I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Hello. So back to what have you watched since last time? All right. On so your Nicolas Cage Film Fest. a couple of weeks. Uh, watched, uh, well, we watched the Mindhunter series. How was, oh, how how was it? Like have, it? Have you seen it? No. I've not watched it yet. It's really good. All right. I've heard I was kind nothing of, but I wasn't thing. that interested in it, and then someone said, "Oh, Anna Torv's in it." Yeah. Thought, oh, that's interesting. And then David Fincher's put it together. I was like, "All right, I'm in." That's what's brought me to it. It's like, I'm "Oh, in, it's yeah. David Fincher." It I don't really know good. if I want to watch it. Oh. You can't binge watch it. It's too intense. Okay. Mm. Maybe a couple of episodes, and then you just feel so creeped out. <laughs> good. But there's amazing performances in it. So Anna Torv, she turns up like three episodes in, I think. Uh, and these are all most most of these people are based on actual killers actual yeah. people you know both sides of the law oh okay uh, so the investigators there's Jonathan Griff and Holt McCombney and Hannah Gross and Cameron <coughs> Britton plays uh, plays one of the killers he's he's awesome he doesn't do anything explicitly evil on the yeah. screen but it's just radiating off him. It's, he's amazing. I've heard good things. Yeah, yeah. Definitely check it out. And David Fincher, he does like the first couple and last couple episodes. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Really good. Uh, through a Western called Law of the Lawless, 1964, William Claxton. Um, it's, it's, that was kind of an average Western. Um, uh, but it's got a really interesting cast. If you're, you know, if you're into horror movies, you recognise a lot of the people in it. Yeah, so you've got Yvonne De Carlo. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. uh, Bruce Cowart, John Agar, uh, Bill Williams, Lon Chaney Jr. Um, so uh, yeah, long, got long Chaney Jr. cast members long of uh, the brain from Planet Arrows and Giant Spider Invasion in one movie. Wow. Uh, and it, and it's quite an interesting, you know, because so many. So many people in the cast are quite elderly. It's kind of an old man western. Yeah, you've got all these these characters who've got these dark pasts, and yeah, no one no one's pure, and it's quite interesting. It is, I'm not. It's not a great movie, but you know, um, yeah, Lon, Lon Chaney Jr. is in it. He's, he's fun. Um, uh, so Antoine and Colette, which is a short by Francois Truffaut. 
there was this international movie called Love at 20 where they got directors from different countries mm. like um, you know, Japan and so on and, and uh, so Francois Truffaut is, so it's another entry in his um, Antoine Duanel series you know 400 Blows oh okay although so it, it like traces this character who's basically it's an autobiographical character hmm. so he, from when he's a kid and getting into trouble with the law and then he's getting his oh, cool. job and then this is his first romance and things like that um oh yeah um so my wife is w- working at this like shared workspace and they have like this music going all the time and twice in the last fortnight they've played suspiria really yeah without her suggesting it and this place is run by women yeah she she was just like sitting in her office and she thought that sounds familiar and opened the door and it was the suspiria theme so who's playing that if i, if yeah, I hear that music somewhere i think i've gone mad yeah i, I said to her if i you know, started looking the, for witches at the end of the day you should listen to the foot, footsteps and see if they go deeper into the building yeah Ooh. Did she so, um, did she get any sort of an explanation like why is there some cool person working there? Clearly, uh, well, I, I I said she should find out, and and apparently they they use um, the Pandora service oh. for some reason. <clears throat> they've been playing Suspiria. Interesting. Weird. Also in Suspiria news, the two disc versions are up for pre order now. Oh, oh nice. very nice. So like uh, I ordered mine. Good. So it's in the mid twenties dollars. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah, that's not bad. I'll probably order one. And it's worth got, owning. Uh, also got the Scorpion release of Opera. Oh, Ooh, cool! Very nice. If you want to check that out. Um, and Arrow is bringing out a 4K scan edition of Deep Red. Oh, good. Ooh. Uh, which I'm interested in too. Yeah. <clears throat> There's so many good releasing companies now for this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like. I started uh, going back and forth, uh, texting with my nephew about that. And there's like so many of them, like six or eight of them that are really doing a good job. Yeah. Um, I've been reading more more of the uh, Valerian collections. I'm on to the third one. Oh. Uh, The third one's got the Ambassador of the Shadows story, which is what the movie's basically a version of. Um, And it's, and you can... I think they must have read uh, the Sector General series, the James White science fiction stories, where it's about this like space hospital where it got so many different alien cultures, okay. and they, each one has to be in a different environment, and they have to deal with all the different things. Yeah, and the book I got of Valerian and Laureline mm. deals with that planet. Yeah, um, yeah, they're, they're really good. I mean, yeah, I really like them. I um, want the whole series at some yeah. point. Uh, okay. Uh, what else? Uh, Happy Death Day oh. from last year. Did you How was that? it? You've yeah. seen that. One. I've seen it. Yeah. What do you think? Have you seen it? I've not seen it. It's quite fun. It, um, that was the only trailer I remember during it that mm-hmm. was possibly. Yeah. It's a. It's like Groundhog Day with slashers. Yeah. And it and it and it yeah. knows it. And it knows. Oh, it, it totally. Uh, you could tell it knew it. It's self-aware. So it's directed yeah. by Christopher Landon and. Uh, son of Michael Landon, the teenage werewolf. Yep, and scripted by Scott Lovedall. Paul Eccles. The kills are very PG. Mm-hmm. So when it starts off, I didn't know if I was going to like it or not. Uh, the the lead in it is really good, Jessica Roth, or Roth. Mm. I'm not sure, but she carries the movie. She's in almost every shot. 
Right. And she's from Denver. Oh, wow. Wow. That'll happen once Denver. in a while, won't it? Uh, but it's, uh, it's a good kind of a date movie because it's, it's, horror-wise, it's kind of mild, but it's it's romantic and suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Was that on any service or did you get that uh, from the library? I just got that from the library. Oh, okay. Um, I watched The Snowman 2017. That was a big disappointment. Oh. So this is directed by Thomas Alfredson, who did uh, Let the Right One In. Oh, okay. Right. And uh, it's well directed and it's beautiful. Just gorgeous. Mm. I, I watched it on Blu-ray and, and it's got all these Oslo and the Norwegian landscapes. It's just beautiful to watch. But like, uh, it was a mess. Like They weren't given much time. They had way too little footage to really cut together a coherent story story yeah so it's it's it it becomes like a huge mess oh, that's too uh, bad by the end of it but it's got some really gruesome kills in it uh and you know it looks great there's a weapon in it which is straight out of a certain argento giallo oh you'll know it um <clears throat> and the, the score um i think it's marcus beltrami but it's really out of odds with what's going on on screen. Right. Um, you know, there's lots of these huge things at the end when when what you're watching is quite sad and somber, and but then the music is like Thor has just crashed into the scene or something. You know? <laughs> um, but Michael Fassbender and Charlotte Gainsbourg and Val Kilmer is in it. Um, wow. J.K. Simmons is in it. Oh wow. Um, yeah, so I'm glad I watched it, but yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a mess. Went wrong. Um, Fuck Snowman 2017. I watched a Taiwanese movie from 2006 called Silk. Silk. Directed by Chapin Su. Uh, it was about an anti gravity project which involves capturing a ghost because apparently ghosts don't use gravity. Being this manifestation of intense energy can power this anti gravity cube. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm on board. <laughs> I'm uh, sold. Makes okay. sense to me. There's definitely some images in there I haven't seen before. Ooh. Um, that's quite interesting. Uh, watch Man of Tai Chi, 2013, directed by Keanu Reeves. His debut oh. as a director, and he was, he's also in it. Uh, this has got a really good cast of martial artists in it. So uh, it's basically about Tiger Chen, uh, but uh, and Karen Mox in it, Simon Yams in it, and uh, towards the end, Iko always turns up in it. Um, the uh, choreography is by Yunu Ping, and it's uh, and it's like a kind of old fashioned, like seventies style kind of one of the Chang Che movies where all the stories told through the fighting. <clears throat> so there's, there's a lot of fighting, in this <laughs> oh, movie. Okay. a lot of different martial arts in it. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, we enjoyed the watching that. And it's got those silly moments sometimes when Keanu Reeves turns up and he's also the big boss villain at the end and he's like <laughs> he's probably not the best fighter in the movie mm, probably mm. not uh, but there's some awesome fights in it um, and watched a Bollywood movie called uh, Koi Mil Gaya from 2003 this is the first of the uh, Krish series mm. directed by Rakesh Roshan starring <clears throat> Hrithik Roshan and Preeti Zinta and uh, Rika as his mum. Uh, I, I love these these movies. Uh, so in this, the first one, he's uh, his father's died. Uh, his father's been like sending signals out into space to try and get a response, and he's been broadcasting Om into space, and he just gets the response, 
he reports it and the, the, his fellow astronomers laugh at him and then as he's driving home he gets killed and then uh, and his pregnant wife is injured and then when the son is born you know he has learning difficulties so he you know by the time he's like got an adult body he's still in like seventh grade <laughs> and uh but he's really good at playing it. Like, you know, he's, he's a dancer. He, he has all the body language. He can really play this this character. And then by the end of it, he, you know, he, he's supposed to become this demigod. But um, uh, this has got an interesting background because uh, you you watch it and you think, oh, this is this is like Close Encounters. This is like ET. Yeah. But back in the '60s, Satyajit Ray, uh, who's a Bengali director. You might have heard of who did the Apu trilogy. No. Have you heard of Rai? Um, no. Anyway, great art house director. Okay. Um, so in the early 60s, he'd done the story where this kid with learning difficulties meets an alien. Oh, okay. And it's called The Alien. Ah. And uh, he wanted to make it into a movie, and he came out to Hollywood at, with a screenplay, and then... He, uh, this guy Mike something said oh, I'll be your partner with this and we'll get this sold by the time such a right arrived in Hollywood this other guy had like snatched the rights to it and uh, so uh, it all fell through and didn't get made such a right went back to India oh. and then the, sc- the screenplay circulated when Spielberg was at film school oh, okay and then a few days a few years down the road comes out with Close Encounters and E.T. Huh. <clears throat> coincidence? <clears throat> Could be. Could be a coincidence. Uh, Spielberg has said uh, he was at high school at the time, which is not true, but doesn't mean he's deliberately ripped it off or anything. No. Uh, I also saw Cropsey. You, you saw this one, yes. didn't you? Yes. Have you seen that one? No. It's, a, it's like a documentary and it starts off as investigating this urban legend. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it uh, and then it digs into the real crime cases. Yeah, it becomes a true crime investigation. Yeah, they do get to the bottom of who really the boogeyman was in this area. Yeah, Long Island, wasn't it? Uh, Staten Island. Staten Island. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it, it's quite distressing, really. All these yeah. kids go missing, and, and there's like a, it gets you know, more and more bizarre with these cults led by ex inmates and right. staff of this asylum that was there yeah, it sounds like um, they just kind of had a place sort of out in the sticks where they could live yeah sort of in isolation but yeah there's this asylum and Geraldo Rivera did this like expose of this like really appalling conditions they mm-hmm. showed some of the video yeah and then years later it got closed down yeah they got right on top of that yeah and uh, and then some of the people who used to be there gravitated back to it and they live in the tunnels underneath the building and kids have been going missing yeah uh, i'm not sure what the timeline was of um the cropsy name when that first yeah. turns up it's it seemed like a lot of the kids that went missing or the things they were talking about seemed to be late 70s early 80s yeah it's like most of the cases they talk about are in the 80s and right after, just after the burning and uh madman had come right out. right so those movies came out before the big cases broke. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's definitely worth a watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I found it pretty fascinating. Yeah, that's by uh, Barbara Bran- Brancaccio and Joshua Zeman. Uh, and I watched uh, The Foreigner from last year. 
How was it? Uh, it's directed by Martin Campbell. We did two of the really good recent Bonds. Mm. We did GoldenEye and Casino Royale. Yeah. And this has got P- Pierce Brosnan in it. Oh, interesting. Playing an Irishman. Oh. And uh, and he's the uh, antagonist of Jackie Chan. Ah. Uh, it's really fun to watch Jackie Chan just in London and Belfast. <laughs> it's just bizarre. <laughs> but he's really good and he's playing his age and he's really serious. He's like, he, his, his daughter is killed and um, by this like splinter group of the IRA and uh, and it's all being like uh, you know he's he's been kept out of the investigation but he he, he wants to go after him yeah and he's uh, ex you know special forces and, and uh, yeah uh, there's not that much action in it it's uh-huh. mostly a like, thriller um, standard thriller it's got it does have some action in it but um, yeah, yeah that, that was pretty good and then uh, I Frankenstein watched that last night Stuart Beattie mm-hmm. based on the digital comic by Kevin Grivieu who also oh, okay. came up with the concept of Underworld and it yeah. is it is it is just like Underworld so okay. basically Underworld of Frankenstein Facebook friends yeah, with this guy Aaron Eckhart is, plays the creature and he's he's like a, so it starts off with the end of the novel and he, um, and then he's drawn into this battle between the gargoyles, who are angels, and demons, who are basically demons. vampires. Oh. And uh, they, they behave just like vampires out of Underworld. And uh, except that when you kill them, there's like this fiery like light show and then they go downwards and if you kill one of the angel gargoyle things they go upwards oh <laughs> boy uh bill nighy's in it really yeah and Philip. miranda otto is in it yeah uh, it's got some spectacular stuff in it but it's just like underworld you know yeah so anyway that's what i watched what's your list my list is pretty short how about i go next go all right um <clears throat> I watched a couple more episodes of Scientology and the Aftermath, that Leah Remini uh, docu-series. And uh, it's just more crazy shit, you know, more just like forehead-slapping disbelief of what people are willing to do in a cult. I'm sorry, let me say that again. What people are willing to do in a religion. Uh, So there's that. I mean, they're not listening to us, so fuck it. But uh, so a couple episodes of that. I I didn't tell you I was going to announce I joined the Church of Scientology this past week. Um, but you and, already know uh, about Zootown or whatever his name is. Zenu. Yeah, that guy. Yes, I know about Zenu, and I've come th- to accept it all as truth. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, I think you'd be a better Satanist, honestly. You don't have enough of a widow's peak, though. You used to, used to draw that character yourself as a little devil. As a devil, yes. Yeah. Well, you know, I was a secular Satanist for a while. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I still have some of your old stickers. Yeah. Um, let's see. So a couple episodes of that. Uh, a couple episodes of the X Files. So I'm caught, mm. I'm caught up. It's good in there. Like, yeah, I'm like enjoying the new it. Series. Yeah. I, I heard tell that Gillian uh, Anderson is annoyed about the whole thing and isn't coming back. Really? Good. I mean, <laughs> I've not heard that. Um, 
Well, I just heard it. Did you see that Twilight Zone episode? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Twilight yeah. Zone. Oh, well, of the X Files. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was about the uh, Mandela effect, and uh, which there's a whole episode of stuff to blow your mind about the Mandela effect, mm-hmm. and so I was very familiar with it. So when they started going into it, I was like, I know all about this. I listened to <laughs> 90 minutes of discussion about this from scientific experts. Uh, so that was good. I enjoyed it. I mm-hmm. really hope that that's rumor about her not being happy and. I hope she does come back for another season. Maybe they'll replace her with Robert Patrick. Ooh. Do you know who almost had that spot? Who? Um, Bruce Campbell. What a... Oh, that would oh. be a different direction. Yeah, what a different show. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Um, okay, what, where else? Uh, oh, and I... And I, re- I should have brought in Kyle MacLachlan. Oh, that would have that been even better. That would be awesome. Yeah. That would an Agent Cooper. Yeah, just he would just fit right in. Uh, and I and I did a long-awaited rewatch of Pulp Fiction. It's been probably okay. a few years since I've watched it, two or three years. And I'm not familiar with this film. Um, it was uh, was it Rodriguez directed that? No, <laughs> no. listeners don't get that. Is that the one Tarantino head. did? Yeah, yeah. At some point. Yeah, at some point in his career. No, I've I, never seen that one. So yeah, it's it's um, one of my Tarantino favorites, and uh, it's it's been a while since I watched it. Yeah. And, so anyway, is it kind of rewatch? It, it was, you know, mostly held up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he did it in such a, such a style that it it wasn't meant to be um, stylish for its time. It was, there were no gimmicks really to speak of other than his weird, uh, everything being uh, out of time shift. <laughs> what do you, whatever you call that thing he does uh, out of sequence. Anyway. Yeah. So other than that, you know, everything held up really well. Um, looks really good on Blu-ray. Have you ever watched it in order? I wonder if anybody's done an edit. People have done that edit. I'm, I'm sure heard. people have done the edit, yeah. but I wonder. I have to find one. It's got to be weird, right? Mm. There's I've, a way to watch Memento that way too. Yeah, I heard. I heard there was. Yeah, <laughs> it seems kind of pointless, but yeah. it it yeah it it goes against what the movie is doing. So duh. So that's it. What about you, Will? Um, let's see. What did I watch? I watched a. I watched the or a couple episodes of the latest season of south park which was not good you get the feeling that south park doesn't know what to do i think they've just gone on too long there's funny moments but they um, they need to take it behind the barn and bash it with a shovel they need to just stop just i mean (laughs) i don't know how bad the simpsons is now but for some reason i keep checking into south park because they're like 10 episodes and uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, then I watched a uh, series with Eugenia called Britannia, which uh-huh. is on Amazon Prime. How is it? Is it? Uh... It's crap. <laughs> okay. Um, it is. It's no a... Vanderpump Rules, is it? No, but what is? Although we were laughing. Uh, I'll get back to that, maybe. Um it's set in the year 43, mm-hmm. and the Romans are reinvading Britain. Oh. And you think, oh, that sounds exciting. But they can't decide if they want to be a history, and I'm going to put history in quotes there, like the Vikings. Okay. I'm, I can't be serious calling that history, but we'll go with that. Okay. Uh, or Lord of the Rings, sort of game of thrones fantasy 
Okay. And there, it's stuck in the middle, and as Eugene called it, it's neither chalk nor cheese. It's, uh, I don't know, it's just not good. Um, the druids appear to be goth rave members. Nice. Hang out in these uh, uh, kind of rocky outcrops that I'm not sure actually exist in the south of England. Do they? Do they? Rocky outcrops. They have these like big, I don't know. It looks like a valley, but there's these like rocky fingers. It's it's oh, so it's, the landscape's way too young for a the the a landscape year. is so far from England. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only know England from TV. I can imagine having lived there that you would look at this and you'd be like, mm-hmm. "Where are they?" Yeah. I believe it was filmed in the Czech Republic. There's a lot of Czech people involved in the series, but you look at it and you're like. I don't even think they've seen a postcard of England. It is so far. This is supposed to be near Kent, but it's... Huh. No. There's some scenes of some cliffs that well, are passable by the sea. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, maybe. But the rest of it is like, no, those woods don't look anything like... Okay. Like, we watched some movie um, we talked about on the show, and I can't remember what it was, but it was filmed in Canada. It was supposed to be in England. Right, right, right. And you were like, these forests yeah, don't look uh, like... Or the was boy. it the... Yeah, yeah, that was it. The boy, yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's the same thing with this show. So uh, you have uninteresting characters and terrible history, and it's just, it's not worth it. It looks beautiful, though. They spent a lot of money on it. It looks great. Um, they got that going for him. Yeah. So we watched them all. Um, <clears throat> what else did we watch? Um, oh, I watched a couple movies on Comet. I watched one called Panic in the Year Zero. Oh, yes. Oh. Which is pretty good. It's uh f- early 60s family mm-hmm. is in the mountains when the bomb goes off and they have to live in the woods and fend off psychopaths and bears no no bears they didn't have the budget for bears no you could afford psychopaths but you know bears they're um you know uh it was it was entertaining um what else did we watch um I think that may be it. Oh, I watched just a documentary on Netflix called um, The Toys That Made Us. Oh, yeah, I watched that too. And uh, it was okay. A few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, it was entertaining enough. It was. Uh, Did you watch Star Wars? I watched the Star Wars one. Barbie. And the uh, Masters of the Universe, which was yeah. p- kind of funny. I watched that one too. That one was sort of entertaining. And uh, I, could, I didn't realize they went from like a $400... Four hundred million dollar a year business to seven million dollars a year. Wow! They lost that much money. The wow. bottom fell out of He Man so quick. That's so funny. <laughs> they went from like being like more making more money than any toy line had ever made. Right. I mean, they made Barbie, which was like <clears throat> the top selling toy forever look like nothing and then the next year they were crap Mm -hmm. yeah and people were like throwing them out (laughs) 
Apparently it was all their terrible ideas for new characters. Yes, and they didn't sell any of the old characters. Or right. The main characters. They just sold goofy characters that people didn't want. You know, right. Like Stinkor. Yeah. The character that was a skunk that smelled like patchouli. Yeah. And one of the uh, layer artists of that was Bruce Timm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they talk about the little comic briefly that they they put in there that he did. Okay. Yeah, it some was... of those they don't mention Bruce Tim by name, but they show a picture that I'm pretty sure was his stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was kind of entertaining to hear to hear these grown men talk about you know I like we just went into the meeting and just bullshitted the whole thing. We right? Like, oh yeah, no, it's gonna come with a comic book, and they're like, but they're five year olds, they can't read. Well, we're gonna put on a TV show. They had no idea about a TV show. They barely came up with the name that morning or whatever. Yeah, they had to rush out and find animators. Yeah, yeah. the whole thing was just kind of like all predicated. And the Star Wars <laughs> thing was the same thing. George Lucas was so tied up with making the movie that the toys were pretty much nobody wanted him. So he went with Kenner. And there was well, there wasn't enough lead time. And Kenner had no time, but Kenner got the the thing, and they had like the most amazing deal where they were making like ninety five percent of every dollar. Yeah. On every Star Wars toy sold, because basically George Lucas nobody wanted them, so Kenner was like, "Yeah, we'll do it." And they had you know the movie comes out next month, mm-hmm. so we won't have anything. Yeah, every, for like a year. Everyone else was just like, no, we need minimum three months lead time to get this stuff even made. If you it was know. ready to go now. And but. so they they busted some fat moves and made a killer deal. And uh, yeah. they made a lot of money for a while. Yeah, they made a lot of money. And then they, they messed up because they just kept paying George Lucas $10,000 a year. Yeah. He would have let them keep the thing, the deal forever but they stopped paying at some point and lost the deal and didn't get as good of deal the second time around and they did that weird pre-sale thing too where you sent in you got a cardboard box which is just i mean wow yeah imagine selling an empty cardboard box that said we'll send you these figures when we make them yeah possibly in the next six months yeah uh, it's pretty crazy yeah, that one's definitely worth a look. That particular episode. I've yeah. not watched the GI Joe one yet, but I plan. Oh, to. I watched the GI Joe one. Was yes, it good? Well, it was pretty good. I mean, uh, they did the same sort of thing. They were making so much money, and then the company was just like, "Eh, we're tired of GI Joe. Get the fuck out of here." <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, so whatever. Yeah. GI Joe. I mean, they were making enough money that they could sell a giant aircraft carrier that's like eight feet long. (laughs) My friends had it, and it took up like the entire toy room. There was nothing you could do with it. It didn't do anything. It was just a giant hunk of plastic shaped like an aircraft carrier. And I think the hamsters had gotten into it and chewed up the insides. (laughs) Oh, God. They accidentally launched the missiles. Yeah, it was an international incident. You may have heard about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Um, I think that's all I watched. We probably filled up an hour now. Yeah, Yeah, we're somewhere in there. Uh, So how about we talk about this here, uh, Lucio Fulci, The Beyond? Yeah. So, Jolien, uh, how did you come across this movie to begin with? 
Oh, this was it, well, a famous band movie. Yeah, this was on the video nasty list. Of course it was. Back in 84. Yeah, the so gory kills. Had to see it. Yeah. Yeah. And I did. And you did, how'd you get how'd you get your hands on it to begin with? Uh it was probably a dodgy video. Yeah. Probably looked really really awful. Yeah, I mean in the um in a lot of the horror <clears throat> magazines. We had magazines back then. They were like paper like a paper internet, and, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. With staples in it. And uh, you'd have all these classified ads and they'd be like, uh, like I have horror videos, send me your list. Yeah. And you get like third generation pirates, but you know, you'd be desperate for the, the real deal. The awesome Dutch burned in subtitles. Mm-hmm. Dawn of the Dead with extra four minutes, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Lucio Fulci, you had to see all those. Like zombie flesh eaters, everyone had to see that. Right. Who was into horror movies. Uh, and the poster was pretty amazing. Yeah. I think it was Tom Chantrell did the Star Wars poster. But anyway, oh. um, really cool artwork. Um, yeah, the Italian poster is done by Shiotti. Uh, you did, did a lot of these. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was it was on some dodgy video back in the day. And then and then when it came on at the Scala, we'd go and see that. And House by the Cemetery and all, all this. Yeah. So, th- this reign of terror, this ban on everything cool on video, lasted how long? Uh, well, uh, both sides of the pond, you couldn't see an uncut version until this century. Wow. Like, uh, in the US, this came out as Seven Doors of Death, and uh-huh. it was cut. And, uh, yeah, you, you couldn't see the this version until uh, 2000, and the UK in 2001. Wow! So, so Grindhouse releasing yeah. uh, brought out the the you know restored version. Yeah, and it looks great. Yeah, I had some stupid issues with the audio, but that apparently that's some setting I could have changed. I think that must be yours because mine it sounded fine watching it over Shutter. Oh uh, yeah, and it looked good. Yeah, so. I uh, you can watch it in. Uh, they've done like a five point one surround sound remix. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you can watch it in the original mono, English or Italian. Right. And then there's uh, there's also a, a stereo mix, which I watched it in, and that was fine. And there's also the commentary by uh, David Warbeck and Capriona McCall, mm-hmm. which is very entertaining. Now, does yeah, the... this is a scene we shot here. <laughs> <laughs> so, d- does the storytelling? Um make sense to you now more than the first time you saw it no no <laughs> uh you have you have different ideas about what some characters are like emily right like, she a ghost or not is she a harbinger but, but of basically what is going on just, if you're trying to make sense of this no you know, you know you might have fun with it Sure. You, know, you might get some fan fiction out of it but <laughs> some fan <laughs> theories you know so where, where did you first see it well, I first saw this one, believe it or not, on Shudder a few months ago, um, probably three or four months ago. I hadn't seen it before, and I realized I hadn't, so I watched it. I was really pleased with um, Fulci's Zombie, which my first viewing of it... Zombie 2? Yeah, <laughs> Zombie 2, Tokyo Drift. Um, yeah, that was... Um, the Drift for Curly Skull. <laughs> that, that was a... Uh, 
my first really coherent viewing of zombie or my first viewing. I'm not sure which, because I feel like I've seen it before. I think I said this when we did the show, like I thought I had seen it. And then when I started to watch it, I was mistaken. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why are they in New York? What's this Island? What's going on? And, uh, so I, I had it confused with another movie, I think. So that, I believe that was our few, my first viewing of it was for our, our show. show. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, pretty stoked on Fulci. So shortly after I watched this one and, um, the beyond and, uh, I liked it. Uh, I was watching it thinking I'm missing something here. This should make more sense than it does. (laughs) Am I just too tired? Should I like get a good night's sleep and watch it again? Mm -hmm. No, No. apparently it just does what it wants. And a lot of it just isn't, um, um, what the kids call logical, you know, or linear, you know, it wasn't Mm -hmm. those things. Um, I want to do this really quick. Um, you know, a lot of people, uh, think of, of, uh, Robert, uh, a lot of people think of Roger Ebert as being like the ultimate authority on film and opinion about film. And I always felt when he was still alive and fine, I always felt like, you know, this dude holds everything to a standard of like going into every restaurant and going, well, this isn't like that filet mignon that I had at that you know, five-star steakhouse. You're in a fucking hamburger joint. What do you think is going to happen? So I always kind of felt like he, you know, sometimes wasn't thinking about, well, what is this, what is this trying to be and who made it? So he said, uh, back when he was alive and well, um, he gave it a half a star out of four saying the movie is being revived around the country for midnight cult showings. Midnight is not late enough. I don't think that's a bad review at all. <laughs> well, the half star part of it definitely says that. Well, the half star perhaps, but I don't think that midnight is late enough. I mean, this this movie would be great at 2 a.m. after a long bus ride when you just don't quite know what reality is anymore. <laughs> you sat down and watched this unable to sleep. Mm-hmm. It would be fantastic. Yeah. If you want to read a good review of this, somebody who really understands and cares about Fulci and and directors like Fulci, uh, Brian Collins. Uh, you can find him at birthmoviesdeath.com. The same Brian Collins that gave Wicker Man a bad review? I, I think that might have been the same Brian Collins. I don't know. <laughs> just making that up. He has good taste, from yeah. what I could tell, so probably did. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he basically... He he sees it for what it is. I don't want to go into too much of Brian's opinion about it, but uh, yeah, enjoy Fulci's um, weird vision for what it is. Mm-hmm. Don't try and put your own bullshit on it because it's it's fun. It's weird. Uh, so anyway, um, so the basic idea is this woman has inherited this hotel mm-hmm. in. New Orleans Mm -hmm. and she's come down from New York and taken over there Mm -hmm. and there's always there's already been like a it's already got a history like back in 1927 there was this horrible lynch death there Mm -hmm. and this place is built on one of the seven gates of hell right and then killing this artist opened the gate in, that's one theory. Um, yeah, you can go with I that. think the gate was already open. Well, the gate's already there, so, so bad things yeah, are happening. Okay. Yes, the Book of Ebon was there. All right. Um, Book of Ebon was invented by Clark Ashton Smith for his Hyperborea 
okay. stories back in the 30s. So he is a contemporary of Lovecraft. Oh, okay. And then Lovecraft worked that book into his own stories. So it's like one of those mystical books um, which, you know, give people knowledge they were, they probably regret having. <laughs> right. Um, like the Necronomicon. Yeah, so Eben was the magician in Hyperborea who wrote about his various explorations into other worlds and his rituals and things like that. Ah. So, um, we we get the, uh, the, the backstory, um, not a very long part of the movie. Mm-hmm. It flashes forward to the, the woman from New York you mentioned. Liza. Liza. Um, she runs across, it's Emily with the eyes, the, the, um, yep. the, the well, cataract looking eyes. She shows up at her hotel and a workman falls off off a scaffold. Because he sees that girl. Because he sees the girl. Uh, through a window. Through a window. And uh, he's hurt pretty seriously. And the doctor shows up. And after a while, you start to wonder if maybe the doctor's the only other actual person in this movie besides Liza, because everybody else seems to be a ghost of some sort. Well, I guess except for Joe the plumber. Yeah. Who uh, you really should. If you buy a property on the gate of hell, Uh which you would think would bring in the the tourists, because it's only one of seven gates of hell in the whole world. Right. You know, they're actually just popping up all over the place you know, you're gonna travel to see a gate yeah. of hell it's not like starbucks but if you buy a place like that you think you get a licensed and bonded supernatural plumber you know sure. who will come in and be like i can fix these leaks as long as it's not over there by the gate to hell right we just leave that alone see that mark that means gate to hell yeah um you know but no joe was just a regular plumber and he mm-hmm. cracked the wall open and uh Something got him. Well, New Orleans is below sea level. Mm -hmm. They don't have basements. So that could be one problem to begin with. Yeah. You know, maybe the reason they don't have basements is because, you know, they knew there was a gate from hell somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the gates from gate to hell, yeah. There's cemeteries. Uh, The graves are above ground. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you see one of them. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, St. Louis Cemetery number one. St. Louis. I don't know how they pronounce it there. I would assume Louis. It's New Orleans, yep. you know. Cemetery number one. Ah. <laughs> uh, have either of you been there? No. Me neither. I want to go. It seems like a cool place. You know, not during hurricane season, clearly, but, you know, it seems like a cool place. If, if, you, if you like voodoo shops and binge drinking and, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I knew it mostly for its jazz before. Yeah. Found it's out more about the city. Yeah, it's got a very specific jazz style. Mm-hmm. And they have great funerals, too. Like uh, It's a big celebration. It's a party. It's a moving party. It's a parade mm-hmm. down the street. You know, they're, they're happy you're dead. Well, you know, maybe <laughs> they Being are. alive in New Orleans? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> they're like, you know, lucky you. Let's see who we can upset New Orleans. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, we've gained a lot of listeners in Canada. Yeah. Even, even though we've even though I've bashed Canada and their <laughs> filmmaking inability, <laughs> we just lost all our listeners oh, in Canada. Man, I didn't even really talk about Ten Star last week. That it was a 
not a pardon my murder because it was in Canada. It was sorry about my murder. Sorry hey. about sorry about my murder. Sorry sorry about, sorry about my murder. Talk, talking of great Canadian filmmakers, uh, I got the Blu-ray of um, Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things by oh. Bob Clark. Oh, okay. Yeah. In, yeah. Wow. So look forward to watching that again. Yeah. All right. That's a good. One. So um, this story, where does it go from there? Um, okay, so, <laughs> so Joe the plumber dies. We have a harbinger. Um, and then, yeah, Liza's driving down the road and runs into a blind girl with a dog, yes. who I thought was little orphan Annie, but <laughs> evidently is not. A, a dog named Dickie. Dickie. Yeah. Played by Max in oh. America. Oh, okay. I don't know what the Italian dog's name is. Oh. But they had to find a double. Maximus. Uh, guests are showing up. Well, Emily warns her to, she says she must leave. Oh, get, yes. get out of that house. Yeah. She wants to restore the house. And there's two caretakers there, Martha and Arthur, mm-hmm. who appear to be ghosts because the doctor doesn't know them. Right. He also doesn't know Emily, who lives in a house down the road that's been abandoned for 50 years right um and then joe's wife takes joe's daughter jill to the hospital where we see a guy hook up a a body to a brainwave meter or an oscilloscope for some reason doesn't really seem to pay off although there's a bit of activity there um anyway joe's wife is there to dress his body for his funeral and something spooks her and sulfuric acid pours on her face and jill runs in and sees it and And she has to she has to step she has to keep stepping back so the foam doesn't get on her shoe mother foam doesn't get all over her i love the band mother foam (laughs) uh is that just broma seltzer mixed with something I don't know. Remember Broma Seltzer? Do they still make uh, that? Oh, probably. It's that blue, jar, uh, sort of a blue bottle with uh, all the little crystals of basically Alka-Seltzer with aspirin mixed in. <laughs> oh, maybe. I don't know if they still sell that. They should. It's for hangovers, basically. Oh, okay. To call it what it is. Um, And then Jill sees another body. Does she go blind then? I don't remember. Yeah, she gets possessed or crosses over at some yeah. point. Yeah. Mm-hmm don't see where she she like opens a closet to get away from mother foam and, and there's and there's, there's, there's another, another body in there and it falls body. out onto yeah. her and then, and then, then it the cuts away you see her, she's got the white she's eyes. got the white eyes yeah and then we cut back <laughs> god it gets really convoluted a lot of people die a lot of people bleed Right. Um, a lot of people are hemophiliacs in this movie that have mm-hmm. absolutely no hope of clotting. Their blood is as thin as Kool-Aid. Right. Needs some iron or at the very least some cornstarch mixed in to sure. make it a little thicker. Uh, a bunch of people die. The doctor and Liza go to the hospital they notice everybody's disappeared there's zombies at the hospital they go to the basement they're now in the basement of the hotel somehow they go out the front door and they're in hell they both go blind now they're blind and in hell and then it ends hmm what do they do to deserve this uh they 
didn't leave their hotel above the one of the seven gates of hell. They were warned. They were warned. Well, at least Liza was. I don't know if the doctor deserved any of it, but... She wanted this place as an income property, was the bottom line here. Uh Uh-huh. And she probably was willing to overlook a lot of things. Uh, Oh, yeah. She was... Because she didn't even really want to redo anything. Well, she didn't have any money to redo anything, but they were basically whitewashing the walls and... Yeah. Sweeping the floors. Doing it on the cheap. Yeah. Like house flippers do. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's not something you can do when you're building a property over a gate to hell. Right. Or renovating a property over a gate to hell. In New Orleans with a basement. Yeah. Or anywhere, really. And there's a, like an interdimensional... This is a warning. Yeah, there's a wormhole between that, that place and the hospital. Yeah. Clearly. You could drop down into one and pop up in the other. You know, if you've watched Rick and Morty, you've seen things like this. But, hmm. uh, yeah. Um... Yeah, a lot of times the viewer is going to be like, okay, I looked away for a second. When did they get back to the place? From the hospital to the to the house, to the hotel. You know, it, it, if you watch this more than once, then you, you'll notice it's... I definitely recommend watching it more than once. Right. Fulci, yeah. it's not me, it's you. Is, is kind of where you arrive uh, after a second viewing. Yeah, first time you watch it, there are those bits that uh, are laughable. Sure. Uh, just ridiculous. And, and then there's... The subsequent viewings, you're watching all the great imagery that, you know, that's why you come back to it. Yeah. And you, you, you know, you forgive more and more of the ridiculous stuff. And it's just like, what was the misspelled sign? This is someone. Do ruining. not entry. Do not entry. Yeah. <laughs> um, You've been warned. <laughs> but this, this one, I think it's my favorite Fulci movie because it feels very uh, personal. It feels like him and the script writers really trying to just get the in abstract form their their uh fears of death and the unknown up on screen just uh, yeah and, and not be bound by any logic or uh, right yeah being bound by logic you know that's that's a real bummer and you should do everything you can to break away from that yeah if you know? you're making a film hey you know there's that... no reason to be hung up on your story making sense if it's something that's the beyond sense logic co- you know coherent storytelling <laughs> these are human constructs man <laughs> you know I'm just gonna throw that out there because it, you, you don't have hold my film back yeah don't let it hold you back is all is all i'm really saying that's that's right so um will when did you first see this this morning <laughs> really yeah <laughs> I watched it twice today. First ever viewings. Uh huh. I wow. thought I had seen this before, but I had not seen it. Yeah. Well, I we... started watching it and was like, "No, I've never seen this mm-hmm. one before." We both suffered from that same delusion. So, uh, yeah, I thought I had seen well, it. You, you got. He, he did like several films in in this short period. Like, right. This is my this is my sweet spot for Lucio Fulci. Okay. So he'd done Zombie, and then he did this, the the, uh, the Gates of Hell. Trilogy, trilogy, as it were, yeah. loose yeah. trilogy. So he did House by uh, City of the Living Dead in nineteen eighty. Yeah, The Beyond in eighty one, and House by the Cemetery in eighty one. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, and it's got you know the same DP, same you know some of the same cast. Yeah, yeah. Same the same actress, sex guys. Yeah. Uh, so it had, has great team that had come together at this point, and uh, uh, yeah, I think all all these are like uh, you know amazing movies. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I really like watching them. I'm not, I'm not saying they're they're models of screenplay excellence or <laughs> <laughs> no. But, and and I, I'm not a fan of Fulci generally. I've seen quite a few of his films, including comedies. That weren't good? Yeah. I mean, I mean comedies don't travel generally, but... Right. Uh, I, I've sat through several of his comedies because Edwidge Finnick was the star in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, generally not good. Uh, the, the first the director of photography on this movie is uh, Sergio Salvati, and he's done loads of movies with him. Uh, and they did, you know, they, they did zombie and stuff. And their first movie was called Dracula in the Provinces, huh. which is like a comedy where uh, this guy who runs a toothpaste company goes to Transylvania and <laughs> I forget why <laughs> and meets Dracula. Dracula as a model. Um, but uh, I only remember one scene in that is where he. He dresses up for dinner at the castle and he comes in and everyone else is naked. But anyway, <laughs> it's like... Are you sure that wasn't Jess Franco directing that one? in reverse. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I like all this stuff. Yeah. Um, so David Warbeck had been... He was in Black Cat same year. And then Catriona Cole, she was in City of the Living Dead and House by the Cemetery as right. well. And Al Cliver plays Dr. Harris, the guy with the big moustache. Yeah. Uh, so he was in Zombie, one of the people who traveled to the island. Yes. And Black Cat and Demonia. And uh, Cinzia Monreal, who plays uh, Emily, she was in... Um, her first film with him was um, Silver Saddle in 1978. Is that a comedy? It's a uh, Western. Oh, okay. It's a Western comedy horror the Italian name is Cella uh, d'Argento. Oh, really? Coincidence? Uh, I think not. Yeah. And then uh, she did Beyond the Darkness with Joe D'Amato in 79. Oh. Have you seen that one? No. Mm, you'd remember it. Oh. <laughs> this movie. <laughs> is he that guy that got murdered? Joe D'Amato? He sounds like a murder victim, doesn't he? Mm. Yeah, that's the name of a murder victim if I ever heard one. Surprisingly, yeah. won't hold up as a defense. Beyond Let's the see. Darkness. So this has got a soundtrack by Goblin. Beautifully shot. I mean, Joe D'Amato, he, he like worked as a DP before. He was a director. But this is probably one of the sickest movies I've ever seen. Hmm. And it, it, it pretty much announces that this movie is going to try and make you vomit. As oh. hard as it can. And uh, <laughs> there is a scene in there I just can't watch. <laughs> mm. um, it starts off with necrophilia and kind of goes downhill. Hmm. I was going to look and see. So if you... it's out on Blu-ray, folks. So All right. Order now. Awesome. <laughs> Let's see. I want to see if he was murdered or not. It doesn't say on IMDb. I mean, he died, well, but it doesn't say how. Um, heart attack. Okay. Okay. Right. That's like a murder. It's similar. It's like your own heart murders you. So, you know. Yeah. God, I don't... He, maybe he was involved with a film where some people got murdered. I don't know. Something I heard recently. <laughs> Something to do with murder. There was a D'Amato and a murder. Uh, not to get too hung up on that. So, do you recommend it, Will? Yes. You do. This is... So you've seen it for the first time, not knowing it was the first time, and you liked it. 
Yeah. Do you, do you, do you recognise uh, Martha was played by uh, Veronica Lazar, who was in Inferno? Oh, okay. She was Martha Tenebrarum. Oh. Yeah, she looked familiar, but some of these people did, and I was mm. wondering, like, do I know who we're going to It's like, we've from? watched a lot of Italian movies, man. Yeah. <laughs> she can't go wrong with an Italian movie. Makes no <laughs> sense. Doesn't matter. It doesn't care if it does or doesn't make sense. Yeah. It once again involved a uh, German shepherd tearing out someone's throat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A German shepherd puppet. That's just what I was <laughs> yeah. going to say. A German shepherd puppet. I think this one was a little more believable. Yeah, it was. Just a tiny bit more believable than yeah. the one in Suspiria. Man, puppets are dangerous in Italy, aren't they? Oh, they are. Witches and puppets in Italy. Yeah, forget it, man. If it's a witch puppet, double whammy. You're in danger. So, um, my doctor mentioned that she was going to Italy and I, I wanted to tell her, watch out for witches. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you go to that town where they film Suspiria. <laughs> you go anywhere in Italy, watch that's, out. That's in uh, Germany. Germany. Though, oh, that's yeah. right. That was Germany. Duh. So, uh, any other interesting facts or, uh, uh, well, the, that massive long bridge is, uh, the Lake Ponte, Ponte, train causeway which is 24 miles long okay yeah where does it go goes it across goes lake pontchartrain coast uh from new orleans oh, okay um it was the uh the last time i spoke to the second unit director from godzilla he was driving across that causeway and he was so bored that he phoned me oh yeah he's <laughs> yeah. like this thing is never ending yeah um uh, let's see. The uh, guy who plays the painter, Schweik, uh-huh. is uh, Giovanni Di Nova, who did three movies with Fulci. And he also plays Freudstein in House by the Cemetery. So oh. Uh, another zombie he plays. <clears throat> um, he, he, he Seen in The Beyond, where he's killed, is set in 1927, which is the year that Pickman's model was first published, which is a Lovecraft story where a painter is is uh, trying to portray something that comes out of a pit. Oh. Mm. Uh, the uh, guy who falls off the scaffolding is played by Larry Ray, who's brought in by the um, uh, Louisiana Film Commission because he'd lived in, lived in Italy and he could speak Italian. Oh, okay. And wow. he'd, uh, he'd worked in CBS and he'd worked in theatre, so he, he, you know, he knew his way around, so uh, he'd, he'd set a lot of this stuff up with him. And he was also uh, he also had a pet tarantula. So when they did the scene with the tarantulas crawling over the architect, uh, he doubled for that. Ah, for it's an actual guy being crawled on. Yes, I noticed they only had two real tarantulas <laughs> in that scene, and a bunch of rubber ones. Yeah. Yeah, fake tarantula technology has gotten much better over the years. <laughs> Certainly has. Yeah. Well, fake um, d- fake uh, German Shepherd technology probably is a lot better now too. Oh, uh, most certainly. So links to Inferno. You have a book of the supernatural, a flooded cellar. Yep. Mm-hmm. A weird book dealer, and an entry to hell below the building. Right. Um, uh, links to the uh, Shining. You know haunted hotel right um corpse in the bathtub oh yeah which is also famously done in this 1954 movie called diabolique have yes. you seen that one right yeah yes. fantastic um 
the hotel apparently is the one that was used in Pretty Baby, 1978. That's a Brooke mm. Shields movie. Yeah. And the cars were from that movie as well, the old cars. Oh, okay. And uh, it was filmed on Orange Street, not far from Anne Rice's house. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Um, a very brief shot of when the guy's having the spiders crawl on him. And, he, and you see his point of view looking up at the spiders. Yeah. Uh, apparently, like, there's a very brief bit of that is used in uh, Spider-Man. Spider-Man, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's but right. I don't remember that. Uh, when uh, Peter Parker gets home after he's yeah. been bitten. And, and he's he starts, upstairs. Yeah, and he starts sick. freaking out. And he, and he gets flashes of visions of oh, okay. things. And one of those is like a... It's been enlarged and kind of turned around. But oh, okay. it looks just like one of the shots from The Beyond. Because that's where it came from. Yeah. Yeah. Way to go. <laughs> so, uh, that, is that pretty much what you have? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's got ties to various movies because he was so deep into movies, and you know, so it's got all sorts of references, including to his own movies. So yeah. It's interesting to watch from that point of view as well. I always like that kind of thing. That's mm-hmm. great. Homages and references. Yeah. Um, needless to say, you recommend this one. Yep. yep. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> it's uh, really gross and. It, it's like you know. Remember, uh, Stephen King's talked about like the three levels of horror. Like the the more refined one is terror, mm-hmm, and then right. the middle one is like general one, which is like horror. Yeah. And then the the lowest denominator is the gross out. And I think out of Fulci's movies, this one hits in all three. Um, That's fair to say. I would. There's yeah, some, yeah. There's some really good moments of you know just done with lighting and sound and suggestion. Yeah. As well as like just zooming in and watching someone's head melt. Yeah. <laughs> or a tarantula eat a guy's tongue. Or eyes being put out in various ways. Oh, yeah. He loves that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he must have a real thing about eyeballs. Oh, you should watch The, the Black Cat. Um, that, that whole movie seems to be massive close-ups of people's eyes. <laughs> right. And, and cat's eyes. But, uh, yeah. So Fulci died in 96, was it? Yeah, somewhere. Like I think that. it was somewhere. Yeah, it was, I believe, ninety six, and so, again in ninety eight, <laughs> yeah. and then once more, and finally, hopefully, two thousand four. Right. So, uh, uh, what was the last thing he did? Do you happen to know off the top of your head, Julian? I mean, I could look it up, but uh, it's like how brain. much? How much more did he do after this? Is kind he of, did a bunch. Yeah, but I don't. I just don't find them that interesting. Yeah, um, it's definitely very gross, and he just ran out of new ideas. Yeah, and sometimes just daft and just playing the hits. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's bef- like poking before, eyeballs. <laughs> before this period, uh, uh, "Don't Talk to the Duckling" is probably the best one of yeah. those I've seen. Is Giallo? Yeah, yeah, I've watched um, that one. But, yeah, I remember you brought that too. Uh, the uh, recently watched ones. Cool. So, um, yeah, I recommend it as well. Uh, but let's talk about uh, next time. We are in Women in Horror Month. Um, so it's only fitting that we... Um, we're only two days into it as we record this, but uh, it's only fitting that we're going to watch some some movies based on the writing of Mary Shelley. Mm-hmm. Frankenstein. Yeah. So we're all going to pick some Frankenstein-y stuff apart from the obvious, as you said. <laughs> um I think this is great. You know, we're, we're all going to watch 
at least one, if not several. I'm going to try and watch one every week. One this month. Well, so four of them. <laughs> right. Yeah. But by the time we do this next time, you'll have watched one in addition to I Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I will have watched probably two by then as well. Yeah. I've got a couple in mind that I want to watch. So um, I think that'll make for a good show. I don't think there should be a big concern for spoilers. Um, they're all going to kind the of follow. The monster did it. <laughs> the monster did it, but he was misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Uh, was he, though, really? You know, well, he, he acted he misunderstood. He flat out murder several family members in the novel, didn't he? Yeah, he does. In the novel, I mean, sure. But when you get into movies, you just have to portray him as misunderstood. Yeah, yeah. I thought <clears> she would float. Yeah, the Like, you know. She was pretty like a flower. I chucked her in the river or lake or whatever that is. And she sank. Whoops. Uh, okay, so we're going to do that. Um, I encourage our listeners to just watch one of their choosing and then listen in. It'll be a lot of fun. Yep. All right. Anything else before we get out of here? Oh, uh, February 13th, uh, Criterion releases the Night of Living Dead 4K restoration Yay. with all the extras and stuff. Go to their website. You'll find out the entire laundry list of what all those awesome things are that are mm-hmm. going to be on the Blu-ray double disc set or whatever it is. Yeah. I pre-ordered mine. It should be showing up. Um, I wonder if we should do another episode on that. Oh yeah. Definitely go straight to the work print. Watch that. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking, you know, cause they've got just the work print as, as uh, one of the options you could watch. So um, maybe we'll do that as a, as a later show. Uh, and then we are going to have a celebrity guest later this month, as long as everything goes to plan. And that'll be interesting. I hope, I hope. Yep, it'll be great. All right, so should we get out of here? Let's get out of here. All right, listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the moors.
Thank you.